You're listening to the Private Practice Workshop Podcast, and I'm your host, John Clark, helping you get more clients, make more money, and master private practice. And in this episode, we're talking about how to master your money. This is a topic that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. <clears throat> and of course, I should start by saying uh, a big disclaimer, this is not financial advice. These are just things that I've learned and tips that I have for you, things that have worked for me. Um, uh, what I do or what my expertise is in is helping people run and, and, and scale a better private practice and how to make money. But I feel like I would be remiss if I never talked about how to actually manage money once you have it. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks back, this is something I wish I had more help with and knew earlier on when I started to make some more money. And so it's something that I at least want to start the conversation with you on. So again, this is not financial advice. You should take it with a grain of salt and you should get help from a certified uh, you know, financial planner or accountant, etc. But I want to start this conversation and I want you to know um, what I think about what you should do with your money or what's, again, what's worked for me. So again, this is not financial advice. Um, this is just me talking about what's worked for me as it relates to making more money in your private practice and what to do with it once you've made more money. Um, so in this episode, uh, or I should say after this episode, you're going to walk away with um, understanding the simple economics of money, why therapists struggle with money, why you should cut up all your credit cards right now, why you should hire help with your money, and how to actually save so that you can grow wealth. Before we do that, I want to give another listener shout out. We've been doing this the past few weeks. This listener shout out is for Wesley Ann on iTunes. Um, and she says, I love this podcast. I really appreciate how John goes into depth with his guests and asks questions that directly relate to helping me understand how to market myself better. He has a relaxing style as an interviewer that helps me feel motivated to go do some new stuff, but also not totally frantic to change everything about my practice at once. Thanks, Wesley. Wesley, this is a, this is a great uh, review. I appreciate these words a lot. And <clears throat> you really tapped into something that I, um, that I really, really value, which is to teach you things without overwhelming you. This is a big part of, um, kind of my approach and my brand in, um, in helping therapists in private practice is <clears throat> effectively doing all this without overwhelming people. So you'll hear me talk about that a lot across all my content. So <clears throat> um, let's, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's just get right into it. Um, again, this is another solo episode where we're talking about how to master your money. And these are some things that have worked for me. Um, <clears throat> again, just to set the stage, you know, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I've worked with a lot of therapists at this point, And what I find is that many therapists who have money problems in their business have money problems at home. Um, even therapists who don't have money problems in their business, maybe they're making good money and they're profitable, consistently profitable. Um, sometimes they have real money issues at home, so they don't know how to manage it. So a lot of times what I'll do in the, with the therapists I'm working with is at least start this conversation with them, help them identify that, that there is a problem here. And then move into, you know, <clears throat> finding ways to uh, finding ways to help them. 
um, uh, just kind of kickstart the process to better manage your money both at work and at home. Uh, sometimes you can even get help from from like a, a financial professional who will help you with both parts, your, your money at work and at home or in your business and at home. So that can be really helpful too. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but for now, let's start with our first um, uh, kind of topic, which is the simple economics of money. <clears throat> I do think for what it's worth that um, money is, 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 can be complex. Financial uh, systems can be complex. Investing uh, can be complex, etc. Retirement can be complex, but money in itself is not, and the economics of it is not. It's quite similar to the way that calories work in our bodies. If you take in more than you are burning, then you're going to gain weight, right? If you want to lose weight, again, this is not weight loss advice, but the general consensus is that you need to burn more than you are intaking, right? To burn off what you've stored. Now, I think it's a similar dynamic with money. What makes a business a business is that they sell something for more than it's worth to that business, or they sell something for a profit, right? So whether I'm selling a gadget that costs me $5 to make or to buy, and I sell it for $10, or in our case, I'm selling my time. And when I sell my time, <clears throat> I need to make sure that not only am I charging enough to hit my overhead, pay for my overhead and the cost of running the business, but I need to make sure that I'm generating enough to, to adequately pay myself. That's what pure profit in a business is. You're generating more than you're spending. So in other words, your expenses are less, hopefully significantly less than what you're actually generating. A lot of times the expenses of a business <clears throat> can be um, anywhere between even 30 to 40% of your overall gross revenue. Now, I think a lot of times the good news is for therapists, that number can be a lot smaller. And that's a, that's great news for us because the reality is we don't have to have a ton of expenses or, um, you know, fancy equipment or machines and a lot of staff necessarily. So a lot of times um, a practice can be quite simple and it can be relatively simple to become profitable, right? You just need to be generating more than your your bottom line, right? Than your expenses, so I think you have to think about this. And again, you have to think about this from a personal financial standpoint, which is that when I'm making a certain amount of money, I need to generally spend less than that amount of money every single month. So when you think about profit and loss, right, um, uh, you need to think about that for both your business and your personal finances. So when you are making, you're, you're profitable in your business, you need to also become and stay profitable in your personal life. And what I mean by that is with the money that actually goes into your pocket each month from your practice, that you don't spend it all. That it's as simple as that, that you don't spend it all and that you save some of it. Especially given that most of us listening to this, most people listening to this show are self-employed. Well, you have a lot more expenses to cover beyond just paying yourself. Um, I have met and worked with therapists who are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who haven't even started saving for retirement yet because they just never got around to it or they've never been profitable enough to, quote unquote, or they've just never felt like they could do it, right? They didn't feel like they were making enough to start saving for retirement. Well, 
what are you going to do? That's, that's, you know, no one else is going to plan this stuff for you. So if you aren't already doing it, you need to start yesterday and you need to be diligent, you know? Um, <clears throat> so I just, yeah, again, uh, th- this is not going to turn into a financial show, but it's something that I think we, that we need to talk about. <laughs> You're not in trouble. We just need to talk about it. Um, so that's the simple economics of money. Now let's talk about why many therapists struggle with money. Well, my first thought around this is that we don't get into this for the money. We don't become a therapist typically for the money. So a lot of times, you know, we go into it with the thought or assumption that we're not going to make much money. If you, you know, if you've heard my story before, a big part of why I started helping therapists is because one of my first days in graduate school, they brought us in and they had a panel of these tired recent graduate therapists who all came in and unanimously told us, you're not going to, if you want to help people and make good money, you're in the wrong place. You should leave now and become a doctor or a lawyer or orthodontist for that matter. They make a lot of money. <laughs> and <clears throat> I thought to myself, well, that can't be true. That can't be true. And so I'm going to prove it to not be true. Um, and that's been a big part of what's driven my work for, for all these years since 2013. We don't get into this for the money, but it doesn't mean we can't and shouldn't make good money and develop good money habits. Um, <clears throat> again, so we're told that we're not going to make much money from the beginning. And so I think that's a big part of our culture and our culture of, of helpers and of mental health. Without being too political, you know, I, I also think that in general, a lot of uh, consumers don't really value their mental health as much as they should. So that's another factor that kind of, it almost encourages people to, uh, to devalue what we do as mental health therapists. That's even more reason for you to be charging more. <clears throat> the other point is we glorify being poor. Again, I don't know why we do this as therapists. I think it's less important to know why and more important that we start changing this culture. But <clears throat> we almost glorify like making less or scraping by or having a really low agency salary or a really low fee, right? Or having a lot of open path collective, you know, slots in your calendar, whatever it is. And listen, at my heart, you know, I have that social justice backbone as well. I came from the nonprofit world. I moved to San Francisco making barely enough money to eat. I came from that world. But I also know within my own practice that the people that can pay your top, top fee need to pay your top, top fee. And when you have that, when you have all your needs met and you're super profitable, it actually gives you even more power to do more social justice kind of stuff, to give back, whether that's your time or your money, to see clients for sliding scale or for free, do pro bono work, because your people who can pay the full fees are paying your full fees. So um, we just can't glorify being poor. We just can't do that anymore. We, we also, we aren't taught how to manage money personally or, or within our business. So we just, we just simply don't know better for the most part. We don't get this kind of education the same way, you know, we're not taught really anything about business in graduate school, which is a shame. Uh, they, you know, and yet that's why I have a job that <laughs> creates a job for me. Um, so the, um, I don't know why I can't just have a sip of water without spilling it everywhere. Like I'm a toddler. don't know why I can't seem to manage that, but that's okay. <laughs> We're just going to move on. Um, and luckily you can't see it. The, 
the reality is, you know, we're not taught this stuff. So we have to learn it kind of retroactively. We have to learn it on the fly. And a lot of times, you know, our parents don't teach us this stuff either. So we really have to make up for lost time. For whatever reason, the education system and even the public education system is really geared around learning a lot of stuff that we never use, <laughs> like algebra and complex geometry and calculus and all this stuff that personally I don't use. I would have rather known about mutual funds or um, stocks and exchange rates and different retirement accounts, taxes, things like that. So we're not taught about that stuff, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't start learning it as we go along. Okay. Um, our next, our next kind of topic here is basically why you should cut up all your credit cards right now. And this is not my idea. (laughs) And this is not me giving you this advice, but this is me telling you what it's done for me. I mentioned this in another episode, but I made this decision after reading Dave Ramsey's book called Total Money Makeover. I highly recommend this book. I highly recommend you buy it today. It's for anyone, anyone who's, you could have a lot of money, you could have a little money, you could have no money, you could have a lot of debt or no debt, doesn't matter. Read this book. It's all about personal finance. And for me, it's a pretty comprehensive book, in my opinion. Um, get it, First of all, so, so Dave Ramsey has what he calls baby steps. I'll read you those baby steps. I'll look these up for you right now. Dave Ramsey's baby steps that he walks you through in this book. Here's what they are. Um, step, well, let's see. Yeah, basically the baby steps are, let me look these up here real quick. Okay, so the, um, I think these are the right ones. Okay, baby step one, um, save at least $1,000 for your starter emergency fund. So he, he basically says, um, start saving some money for an emergency fund for things like when the AC goes out or your car breaks down or whatever. You have to basically build a, a you know, build a bridge between you and crap that happens in life. Step two, pay off all debt except the house using what he calls his debt snowball. I'm not going to go into that. Step three, save three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. Step four, um, invest 15% of your household income in retirement. So 15% of your household income each month in retirement. Step five, save for your children's college. Step six, pay off your home early. Step seven, build wealth and give back. Build wealth and give. So those are his baby steps, but um, part of what he talks about a lot, and you can go look these up, Dave Ramsey's baby steps. Part of what you can do is like, he talks about getting out of debt by first of all, paying off your credit cards if you already have them and then cutting them up for good, basically. Now, why should you cut them up? Why is it important? Well, the reality is credit cards are loans. You're borrowing money every time, even if it's just a $7, you know, sandwich. I mentioned this in another episode. It's not your money and it's not real money. It's borrowed money. My understanding of this and what it's done for me is I've understood that psychologically it changes your relationship with spending to the point where it almost kind of numbs out the purchase, makes it feel like it's not real because it's just, 
it's just kind of, oh, I'll take on a little bit of debt for this thing or this new TV or this thing that I can't really afford. Um, and it kind of numbs out the purchase. This is what credit card companies want you to, <laughs> to experience. They don't want you to feel it because then you're, they're going to start accruing interest, you know, pretty much right away. Um, even if you pay off your minimums or whatever, um, they found that people statistically spend more on credit cards than they do on debit cards. They also found that um, when it comes to getting all the points and stuff and the, the, the flyer miles and all the airline miles and all this stuff, that again, people actually spend more. So you're actually just still buying your own plane tickets, even though you feel like, well, I'm getting such a great deal. Dave, again, this is all Dave Ramsey stuff. Dave Ramsey says the house always wins, basically. <laughs> so it's the same with like, in general, when you go to Vegas, the house always wins, right? It's designed to take your money and credit cards are designed to take your money. Um, so you have to think about this when it comes to your own use of credit cards, that even if you're getting the points and paying it off on time, et cetera, that in general, you're probably spending more. And even if you are paying it off on time or not paying the interest, et cetera, you generally spend more and therefore you profit less in terms of like gaining wealth overall. Um, and I'm, I just have found that to be extremely true. So you need to feel each purchase, right? So like when you buy something really expensive, um, and when I've bought things that are expensive and I put on a debit card, the feeling of it is so much different, so much more real than a credit card because that money is literally being pulled out. That cash is being pulled out from my account as soon as I you know, swipe my card or put in my PIN number or whatever. There's nothing sexy about it. Even using debit cards is very not sexy. The cards themselves are like, they're, they look boring. They're like more flimsy. You know, they're not nice. They don't have like a big metal piece in it. Like they're not shiny, you know, like credit cards. But this, again, the, the financial industry makes, makes money based on our debt, basically. So it's just something you need to think about. You need to look more into it yourself. You need to feel it when you make a purchase. And that old phrase, cash, cash is king, I think is very, very, very true. So, um, Again, for me, cutting up our credit cards, getting rid of them, um, both for the business and personally, has been extremely valuable, and uh, I can't recommend it enough. It's scary to do, but it really changes your relationship with money. An incredible amount of Americans have credit card debt, and it actually gets in the way of your, you building wealth and saving. Okay. So, um, again, I hope this is helpful guys. Again, I know this is off the beaten path a little bit for private practice, but again, if, if I'm, you know, spending all this time teaching you how to make more money and I'm not teaching you how to better manage it, then, then what am I doing? Right? So I feel like I at least need to edge into this topic a bit. And as always, you can let me know your feedback on it and then we'll decide if we're going to talk about this more or not. Next point you should, uh, why you should hire help with your money. Okay. Well, first of all, what kinds of help can you get? You can get anything from, let's say a financial coach who's usually like an uncertified person who can help you make a plan for your money, help you with budgeting, uh, help give you general advice or feedback or help you, you know, manage the conflict that money creates in your relationship or your marriage or whatever. You can hire a bookkeeper, who generally reconciles the um, the spending and earning within your business or sometimes within your personal finances, right? They might also help you create a budget, prepare for taxes, etc. 
you can hire an accountant. An accountant usually um, can do bookkeeping, but also can help with bigger picture stuff like that budget, like filing for taxes, like helping you save money on taxes, um, helping you set up retirement accounts, invest in those retirement accounts, etc. You have financial planners or certified financial planners. Um, these people generally help you more with the strategy behind your saving and growing wealth and retirement accounts and maximizing your saving and investments, you know, investing in stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, all this good stuff. Um, I have a bookkeeper. Oh, actually, I have all four. I have a financial coach. I have a bookkeeper. I have an accountant. I have a financial planner. I have all those things. And to me, they're all worth every single penny. Um, you know, money doesn't like dealing with money doesn't necessarily come easily to me either. I've had to learn a lot about it over the years. And I found that the more I lean into what I don't know, the, the less my anxiety becomes and the more help I get with it. Usually that help actually pays for itself. So, you know, and if you don't have any help with this stuff, I would say just start somewhere whether it's a bookkeeper or a financial planner, et cetera. But since we're talking so much about personal finance today, I really recommend, you know, a, a personal financial planner that's been super, super impactful for me. And ultimately that's the person who's helping you decide what to do with the money once it's actually in your pocket. So in that regard, they're going to actually help you grow wealth. Whereas the other ones might help you just have better cash flow within your business. So I think it's important to know the difference. Okay. Our last kind of section for the day is I want to talk about how to actually save and therefore how to actually grow wealth. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is I suggest either studying and or implementing the Profit First model. Profit First is a book by Mike Michalowicz. He's a guy who basically flipped the um, the profitability, the kind of business um, equation on its head. Um, tr traditionally, a business profit is thought of as revenue minus expenses equals profit. So whatever you earn based on, and then minus what you spend equals your profit is whatever left whatever is left over. He turned it on its head and said revenue minus profit equals expenses. So the money you generate minus what you need to pay yourself equals the money left over to spend on expenses. Even if you don't set up the whole accounting system, just reading this book or parts of this book and understanding his principle is very, very effective. The The principle is effectively, you build this business and you pour a lot of time and oftentimes money into it. And sometimes we go for a long time without even paying ourselves. And that changes not only your profitability, but it actually changes your emotional relationship with your your business and with your money um, because you're not being fed by it. I explained this to one of my coaching clients as it's the equivalent of like, you know, if you worked for a company and you work for that company for six months and they still didn't pay you yet. A lot of therapists do them do this to themselves. Even if you could just pay yourself a thousand dollars a month or whatever, you need to do that. You need to start paying yourself because it changes the reciprocal relationship between you and your business. This thing that you're giving your life to, pouring all of your lifeblood into it, you need to pay yourself. You need that um, reciprocal 
kind of symbiotic relationship. It can't just be you pour yourself into this business and you never really get paid because you're scared to get paid or you don't know how much to pay yourself. You're too cheap to hire an accountant, whatever. I suggest paying yourself with a salary with quarterly bonuses and to save your bonuses or to invest your bonuses. Now, Again, I went through this fairly recently with a client. We're working to set this up for him, and he might be listening. <laughs> if you are, then uh, then hello. <laughs> um, but basically, what we found is we wanted to help get him off of this income roller coaster that many of us are on or have been on, meaning you generate a different amount of money each week, and so you get paid a different amount each week. This creates a lot of variability, and that roller coaster is real it makes it hard to know how much you can actually spend and save in your personal life, right? And that affects everything. So what we've decided to do for him is to set him up with basically a, a conservative salary that we know he, the business can afford to pay him with quarterly bonuses. Two reasons why this is, in my opinion, pure gold. One, it gets him off that income roller coaster and it stabilizes you know, the money coming in on the personal side. And, you know, you learn to kind of manage what you're earning then, just like a regular salary. And then with the quarterly bonuses, I like that because it it basically reduces the number of times that you have to decide throughout the year what to do with extra money. So let me say that again. It, It reduces the amount of times per year that you have to decide to do what to do with your extra money. Um, <clears throat> I think this is a really tricky one because a lot of times we, you know, we earn a bit more money and so we spend a bit more money, earn a bit more, so we spend a bit more, etc. And when we do this, we're caught in this kind of hamster wheel. And you've seen this pretty classic. People earn more and then they buy something more expensive or get a bigger house and they never actually become wealthy or save money. They're just in more debt and they have more stuff. So I like this because four times a year you can sit down and go, okay, I have a bonus now of 15K or 5K or whatever. And then as a family, what do we want to do with that money? You can make a decision. We're going to invest 3,000 of it. We're going to take 2,000 and go on a vacation. We can be very intentional about it versus every two weeks going, oh, I made an extra $300. Let's go out to dinner and get a $300 dinner or whatever. So I like that. I like that a lot. You're kind of batching your, your decision making rather than having to do it so frequently. Okay, uh, where were we here? Okay, the, the, the last one, how to actually save and therefore grow your wealth. This is, this is what I do. I'm just gonna tell you guys, to be honest, I don't have a strict budget for my personal finances. I don't stick to a strict budget. That has never worked for me. Like it just feels restricting. It feels like I need to, you know, not have coffee today because I had it yesterday or whatever. Um, it feels, it just feels like too much for me. If it works for you, great. That's fantastic. And again, you need to follow what works for you and follow the advice of your professional help, professional financial help. But for me, what I do is rather than kind of having a strict um, spending budget, I have what's like a basically a strict investing budget or like a strict savings budget. So what happens is, you know, when I get paid every couple of weeks, a certain amount of every paycheck goes to my investments, goes to my savings, it goes to my retirement accounts, etc. It just gets pulled automatically. 
So, and, and, and they're, they're basically large amounts that force me to spend a bit less on the personal finance side because my savings are kind of quite aggressive on purpose. So again, that's, that's what I do because then I know that kind of the money left over is for me to spend versus like, again, having a really strict budget and then feeling like, well, after I've stuck to this really strict budget, then I don't know like what to, um, you know, what I can actually save, like the savings happen way later. So it's kind of like a profit first model for personal finances. Basically, you know, my net income minus savings or investments equals my actual like profit, I guess you could say something like that or equal, no equals expenses. Sorry. So yeah, like my net profit minus my savings slash investments equals, um, equals my actual spending, what I can spend and my kind of operating expenses, so to speak. So that's what I do is again, instead of having a really strict spending budget, I have a strict kind of saving and investment budget, retirement budget. And I set those to happen automatically. So I don't have to go in and decide whether or not I'm going to do them each month or decide how much I'm going to do each month. So whew, that's it guys. That That's what works really well for me. Okay. So again, this is not professional financial information by any means, but I've had people ask me about it. I've seen a lot of therapists struggling with it. So I wanted to take a stab at it and at least share with you, uh, at least share with you what's worked for me. And maybe you can take some stuff from this today and start to implement some of it into your business. If I can help you with anything within your business, within the, 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 um, the effort of getting more clients and making more money. Those are the things I can and would love to help you with. You can always just go to privatepracticeworkshop.com. We have a free training there that you can grab as well. Privatepracticeworkshop.com. Otherwise, if you're just tuning in and listening, but not ready to reach out for help yet, you can help by sharing your favorite episode or this episode with a few therapist friends right now. So just share it. Um, send them a text message with the link to this episode through iTunes. Um, just share it with a few therapist friends, help us spread the word. And of course, um, it always helps if you subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Um, I hope this was helpful. You guys, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your time so much. And again, I always love to hear from you if you want to reach out. Um, and otherwise, um, I hope you guys have a great week. Take care of yourselves and, um, thanks for tuning in once again. I look forward to seeing you next Wednesday. Cheers. Bye-bye.